Hello and welcome in to another episode of Podcast 63 here at Buck and Lou. It is Season 4, Episode 21. And um, I think it's probably the best basketball we've seen Loyola play in, in a long while, um, probably since the beginning of the season. Uh, and it, it, so this, this episode is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of good stuff. Um, there are difficult games on the horizon, but I think it's time we just kind of take an episode to, to talk about some good stuff we saw this past week. Um, we're going to talk about uh, how Loyola is going to deal with uh, the injury to Marquise Kennedy uh, and what that means for the team. Um, we're going to talk about some of the guys who've stepped up in his role uh, and got some more playing time. And just uh, I, we definitely have to talk about Lucas Williamson this week, who uh, was the player of the week in the Missouri Valley Conference. He set a new career high. And also, he, in our book, is the human being of the week. And uh, with his new, um, his it's not his film, but his narration of the Loyola Project coming out, kind of as we're actually recording, um, uh, just, just um, major props to him. And uh, he's doing good things both on and off the court. So, uh, Lou, what, what do you think? Uh, how, how did you uh, enjoy the games this week? And then, obviously, you know, props to Lucas. Yeah, sum up of the two games is, again, amazing to see us light some fire to garbage in Illinois State um, and get them off our court. Um, and then Missouri State, I have to say, my heart was just really on. It was taking every every shot, every second was just a little worried, a little just happy and it was just a lot of emotions but again overall we went 2-0 this week and uh for the first time in a while going 2-0 in a week um or at least winning a full week so really excited to see that after kind of the tough uh two weeks we've had gaining uh, two losses yeah um so again just a great week for for Loyola basketball for Lucas Williamson um for the 1963 team as we all kind of watch the uh, the movie this week. I know I'll be at Gentile on Friday night watching it there. Lou, I think you said you want, you're going to try to figure out another way to watch it. Uh, cause I don't think you'll have a good vantage point from the Raptors. So, uh, yeah, know, how, the, how the, are you gonna... the, the, from what I've been trying to eye, what's the good angle? I, I don't know. I've been, been trying to figure out if they're going to put it on the jumbotrons and stuff like that, but I'll find a way. I'll find a way where there's a will, there's a way. So, um, so yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll be right back. Don't forget, always remember, go Blurs. He jumps, he passes out to Hunter. Hunter shoots off the rim. Rouse gets the score. It's over. It's over. We won. We won the ball game. Viola won the ball game. Oh, we won. 60 to 58. And we are back. So uh, we got kind of the, the news type stuff out of the way. Um, and now let's just talk about basketball. It was, it was a good week to watch our loyal Ramblers play. Um, they were coming off a tough loss, uh, to Drake at, in Des Moines. Um, actually this, this week, uh, I was listening to the coaches, uh, I think it was on the, it was either on the coaches conference call or it was an interview, um, with one of the Valley beat reporters. But Drew said even, he was like that in reference to the Drake game. It was the first time that they had actually looked a little defeated on the court when uh, when Drake took that kind of large, like, 10, 12-point lead. And, um, you know, I, I think he's right. And, and, you know, we're not talking about that, but I think there's something to be said for 
um, the, you know, mental whatever capacity of the team of, of coming off that loss where it was obvious that that was uh, a little dejecting for the team to, to suffer that loss. I think they thought they were going to go in there and win. And they had to uh, change some stuff up. They had to come right back. And, and luckily we got a home uh, home contest, which I think is always good to, to get the guys right. And um, Illinois State, who uh, a lot of people pick to be bottom of the valley, I don't, they're, at least at this point, they're not bottom of the valley. They have a pretty darn good offense. They have a couple talented players, um, and Antonio Reeves and Josiah Strong has been pretty good for them as well. Um, so, you know, it, it's another team. Like, like people say, it's the valley. Anyone can win on any night. And, uh, our Ramblers proved that, that they weren't going to suffer another, another loss. So they came out shooting the ball really well. Um, Lucas had six threes. Uh, in addition to that, the team had seven other threes, two from Braden, two from Schwieger, uh, and then one each from Tate, um, uh, yeah, Tate, uh, Marquise and Uguak. Um, and the Arblers won 78 to 64. So it was a, it was a fun game. Um, but, uh, Lou, I'm, I'm curious what your first takes are and then I'll, uh, I'll jump back in and talk about what I saw. Yeah, I think uh the Illinois State game was kind of what I wanted the Southern Illinois games to be, uh, kind mm-hmm. of those uh longer leads and consistent uh kind of leads, not have to worry about stretching a lead or holding a lead even, right? Cuz we 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 had those issues with Southern leading up to such a pivotal game and not saying the Southern or Illinois State's not pivotal, but not this season, right? Like a few years ago, Illinois State of strong teams, but the year, this year it's the Drake, it's the Missouri State, and the UNI. And that's what we had leading up to this week was Illinois State. And I was really comfortable seeing that. And again, I, I, what guys didn't get like tremendous added time, but we saw guys who we haven't seen in quite some time because games have been so close, right? Uh, TY got some minutes, um, or a minute, I forget it, but even seeing Tom Welch at the end for some, and then Will got in. So like just seeing stuff like that. Um, but, uh, I think this really set up for a good beginning of the week and then to finish strong. Um, I think the toughest thing, right, is, uh, Marquise, uh, just mm-hmm. really seeing that, I think just puts a little damper on rotation. But again, we've, we've said it for quite some time that it's always been a next guy up mentality with a loyal program, not just with Drew or with Porter. Um, just over the last, uh, five years, I'd say. These guys are able to go from bench to starter to starter to bench. There's not any concern with that, in my opinion. I don't know what the locker room's like, but I think the fact that you have Tate Hall and Keith Clemens coming back, two guys who last year were back and forth between bench and starting, are wanted to come back and play. Um, and so I think you see those two guys stepped up this week, and that was something that highlighted my week, I think. Um, so especially from just a sad, just a sad thing about seeing Kennedy, but again, excited overall, um, just the way the week started and how it finished. Yeah. And you know, more about the marquee stuff. So also kind of the thing that I was worried about, or I know a lot of people were worried about was that Keith Clemens didn't even dress for the game against Illinois state. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, did he, did he re-aggravate something? Is this just a rest day? Maybe he's just not feeling good, whatever. And it wasn't ever disclosed what happened. Um, but in that same interview that I was listening to with Drew and the, and the Valley Beat reporter, 
he said that Keith is 100% healthy. That was his exact quote. Um, I can pull it up, find it, but he said Keith Clemens is 100% healthy. So, uh, you know, whatever happened against Illinois State, I don't think we have to worry about it. Um, you know, he has been playing limited minutes, and maybe they kind of slowly tick up here for the next couple weeks, uh, depending on how long Marquise is out. But it seems like he's in that, you know, 15 to 20 minutes range potentially, which isn't all that much less than what uh, Marquise was playing anyway. Usually it was 25 or so for Marquise. Um, but it, I think the biggest bummer for me with Marquise, like, he that game against Illinois State in that first half, he looked like a different dude out there. And he was playing angry. He was yelling at guys, like, constructively on the court, like, telling people to get places. Um, he had that, that edge to him again, stealing a dunk, like, he had a three, a really nice three, um, two steals and one half of basketball, like, it, that, I think, is the biggest bummer, um, for me, it's just that, like, I thought he, he looked different, he was playing angry, and I think when Marquise plays angry, he's more aggressive and potentially a, a better version of, of himself, so, um, obviously, we uh we we want him to get healthy but i think i've seen a lot of stuff on twitter and i think people need to be um a little more patient with him coming back uh i know i think it was paul Oren who said it was going to be at like 2 weeks and but it since it's a reaggravation of the same injury i think they're going to be especially uh cautious with him and when he comes back i don't think he's going to be playing the full time that he was playing before uh I just I just want to warn fans kind of like mentally I think from what I've been reading fans are very eager to get him back maybe he'll be back this week maybe he'll be back in two games I don't think it's that I think it's going to be at least two full weeks from here and then even then I think he's going to have to ramp up so I don't know just kind of a a little check-in with people like if if you were thinking he's going to be back on Wednesday i I, I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. I think just a point to that is really, uh, like you said, it's really just the fact that it's also a, if it was a different position, if this was CK or Jacob, I think there would be a need for them to be back. Um, yeah. but, um, it's not, we kind of have a plethora of cards. So let's be frank. We, at some times we don't know what rotations going on with the guards, uh, when it comes to in the middle of the games. Um, the other thing though, is just to your point, I think it ties back into the game was just, not only was it his atmosphere, but it was Jesuit Jam, which I loved. Yeah. I wasn't able to make it to the game. I had a prior thing, but watching it, you could just see how packed the crowd was. I would love to hear what you thought of just the crowd. Uh, we haven't had Jesuit Jam in uh, a while because, again, last we had no fans. I was kind of hoping we did a Jesuit Jam because people don't realize San Francisco is a Jesuit school. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. We will be playing a lot more Jesuit schools, so I'll be actually excited to see if they tie that in next year. But Again, the, the student section has always been great. I think you tweeted uh, or even texted me. It's overflowing. Love to see that. And it just ties into, like, Marquise Kennedy's energy, which was tough to see not in the second half. It was like a steal and a dunk. Like, those plays are Marquise Kennedy and elevates to a height. So I think it was just that tempo in the beginning really, for me, was like, oh, this game's going to be a little bit different. Like, I tuned in late, but I saw the dunk, and I was like, oh, this, this game's going to be very different. And, again, it's a different mm-hmm. Illinois State team. But it's we need to be a different Loyola team after the Drake loss. We we just lost it. So again, uh, really excited to see that. I think that's I think the crowd pumps up a little bit more energy and fills a little bit more of the air with that kind of Rambler energy and edge uh, to kind of just play the game they did. Yeah, the fans are great. Uh, students were excellent for sure. Uh, full student lower bowl 
also, uh, they overflowed into that, those kind of upper, uh, upper decks, I guess you could call them. Um, the, the rest of the fans were pretty good. You know, it was a really brutal night. Like, it was really cold and really snowy. So for, um, I think, you know, maybe, uh, it, it looked like a early season, uh, weekend type of game crowd from the rest of the fans. Pretty good, pretty solid. Some of the mainstays, that kind of thing. Uh, but definitely not, uh, full, uh, as far as like, the non-student fan sections go. Also, um, uh, but you know, like you said, Jesuit, Jesuit Jam, super cool. Uh, they always put on a good show. I kind of didn't realize how much I missed it until I was there and like screaming at the musical chairs and like, uh, you know, I, they always do the, the fun like games and stuff. So that was a blast. Um, and they always, they always get into it. And there was, I think, you know, 50, 60 Jesuits, maybe something like that. Uh, they had a, it's actually kind of silly. So when I got in there and I sat down, um, I looked over to my right and there was like a group of five or six Illinois state fans and they didn't have any masks on, which like, you know, whatever, different conversation, different day. But I could already tell like those Illinois state fans, they were probably, you know, like, uh, like mid twenties. Yeah. And lost too. <laughs> and, and, and I just was like, Oh man, like I hope they're not going to be rowdy. And of course they're sitting right next to the Jesuits. So they like couldn't be like, or else, you know, they're getting smited right there and then. So I just thought that was kind of a funny little thing. Um, but yeah, as for the game, I mean, look, I mean, it was Lucas Williamson, right? Like Lucas shot the lights out six or nine from three, hit a couple early, got going some, some really nice. There was one especially nice layup he had where he cut down through the lane. It was kind of like a, I think either CK or, or Huddy or something got doubled. And, uh, he cut through the lane and it was kind of a wild path, like high pass. And he skied up, grabbed the ball, one pound control dribble up and over, um, one of the, I don't know who, Illinois State players, but just a really nice finish. And it just, he just showed off like some insane athleticism on that play. And speaking of insane athleticism, um, Lucas Williamson had this crazy dunk that like right coming out of the second half. He drove the lane and just dunked left-handed over, I think it was one of their bigs too. I think it was like, uh, Schmidt or, or, or McChesney or something, one of their bigger guys. And, uh, it was just like, it was wild. Uh, I, you know, obviously have been watching Loyola basketball for six, seven years and Lucas now for five. And I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen him dunk in a game. Like maybe it's three. Like five at the most, for sure. There's no way I've seen him. A lot of up and unders. A lot of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of really nice layups. Right, for sure. And even on fast breaks, like he'll just still lay it in. I think there's a couple, like one sophomore year, I think I remember before he got hurt and then one last year. But anyway, point is he had two dunks in this game, actually. (laughs) Uh, and I don't know, something extra spring in his step. I, I saw he put on Instagram that, uh, um, the other, the other will walk on. Um, the younger one, uh, told him that something along the lines of like, today's your day or, or he's like, today was going to be a good day or something, you know, like simple and silly that like got him going. So whatever he said to, to Lucas, like say it again. Um, but yeah, 27 points, three assists, one rebound, two steals, uh, and a block for him, uh, for Lucas, just a, a great day for him. Um, a couple crazy threes, one with the, the timer running down, shot clock running down. Um, 
it was just it was one of those uh, a career day for him. There's another way to say it. career high as well, 27 points. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was great to see him play. And in addition to that, Ryan uh, Ryan Schwieger also had a good day. 18 points, three three rebounds, three assists, uh, three steals, and a block. Um, it really looked like Ryan was letting the game come to him, and he wasn't looking so much to create his shot, just to shoot when it was there. Um, uh, there was even some times toward the end of the game where he like drove the lane, had a pretty you know relatively open layup, but dished it off to Chris Knight, and I think CK botched both of them. I mean, they they might not have been Ryan's fault both times, but. It was like two in a row. I think Ryan or I think CK missed a shot and and missed the pass on another one. And I was like, Ryan, you could just could just shot it. Like it, it would have been a good shot either way. But um, I I really liked. I thought Ryan played great in this game. I did. I, it was fun to watch him play. Let the game come to him. Um, those two guys were excellent, and and so were some of the other role guys too. So I don't know if there was someone you wanted to talk about in particular, or if you want to talk about either of those two guys. But um, yeah. Take it away. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me um, was, let's be frank, Lucas had a horrendous game the game before from three, right? But that mm-hmm. didn't stop him, which kind of, again, is just the interest. I think Drew has said it. I don't know if it was Henry Schoedner or, like, I don't know who kind of quoted it, or maybe even Drew just said it. But Drew doesn't lose confidence in his guys shooting. Like, if they miss some, he's going to expect them to come to shoot, uh, just continue shooting, right? Um, I think it's from Braden to Lucas. Uh, to a here even, right? Like a here's definitely improved his shot. Braden's a consistent and Lucas is consistent when he's on fire. Um, so to go 0 of 5 the previous game and then go 6 of 9, I think is just a, is great. Uh, to make more shots than you even missed or even took from three in the last game is just crazy. So that, that to me is, is outstanding way, um, to really just up your ante from the middle of the week game. Um, still played 34 minutes, which blew my mind. I thought he was gonna, I thought they were gonna have less minutes, especially with Drake coming up. And then to see Marquise go down, maybe be like, oh, we don't need Lucas to play 30 plus, but he does, right? And that's just kind of what, what it is. So yeah, I think that was the biggest thing for me, just Lucas saying, hey, screw this BS of a bad or cold game last week or last game means nothing to me. I'm going to go out there and play different. So that was great. Um, I think you sent me a text and I died. It was like a, a swigger floater, right? Yeah. And that it, that's the type of game I haven't seen in quite some time. Uh, but also, I don't know the last time I've seen him have more steals than turnovers. He had one turnover and three steals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of those things where it's like that defense, well, especially for his defense, right? Ryan isn't, I, if I had a bet, Ryan, it's Tate over Ryan on defense, right? That's my yeah. situational thing. Yeah, maybe Ryan over, uh, Braden just for size when it gets down to some games, right? But I'm, Ryan, I'm not expecting to have even more than one steal just because maybe one might get tipped and he grabs it, right? But that, I think, transitions to the offense, and that's what it does. Um, I think you maybe saw a little bit more comfortability. Again, he's not afraid to shoot, and he's a shooter, right? He's going to shoot your three to five, maybe four to six shots from three a game, and he shot five and only made two, which is fine, right? But the fact that he found other ways to try to score was the big thing for me, and I think that's what it opens up. Um, I think those are just things we haven't seen in quite some time. Um, and nothing against them. Guys can go cold again in his time of going cold. CK stepped up, right? Mm-hmm. But yet in this game, CK wasn't the offense. So it's a theme we're going to see with especially how we can plug guys in different, different, different teams, right? We're going to talk about just 
how when the guys are big, we're up against, we're going to play big guys, right? Or when, when we're going to play the small team, that's when Ryan might get his game, right? So it's just a miss, mix and match of what offense decides to show up. Um, I think Drew even likes to probably try to figure that out himself because I think he's got such a, such a different team and such a, a different team that can show up each game. So really excited for Ryan. Um, I think also I just got to talk about, um, I really like Tate Hall mm-hmm. in this game. Um, just because I haven't seen him. I don't even know when the last time he had 20 plus minutes, maybe San Francisco. I have to go back. Um, mm-hmm. and I'll check as we're talking, but I really like seeing him out there. Um, and again, it's just tough. Cause it's like, I like seeing Tom Welch. There's a lot of guys I like to see out there, but we have such a bench that it's just like, Hey, that's cool. That, um, that, um, freaking Tate all got out there. Like that's what it was. It was like one of the things was, I don't even care that he scored a whole bunch. I think eight points is a lot for him off the bench, but it was the fact that I saw consistent minutes of mm-hmm. more than 20. And I think that's funny enough because it really translated to Sunday. And I think it's the fact that Kennedy was out and that's just the thing. Who's going to step up. Who's going to fill fill those holes when someone steps up. Right. Um, so yeah, I found that really interesting there for Tate Hall at least. Yeah, it was great too. So Uguak actually got in some, some foul trouble early. Like he got two fouls within like, I think three minutes. And the bummer was, he came out, he hit a three on, I, it was either first or second Loyola possession. And I was like, all right, man, like, it's a good Uwak shooting night. You know, maybe he'll hit another one or two. And he picked up some ticky tack fouls, whatever. But the important part is Tate Hall and Schwieger both stepped up in that role. And also then when Marquise went out, like, they had, they played even more. So, but yeah, I agree with you. I love seeing Tate Hall play. Um, his one, one of the things that sticks out in my head about this game, he had this awesome steal, uh, that fast break leads to him hitting a layup and getting fouled and hitting the free throw. It just was like, I don't know, you know, one of those things where that's a Tate Hall moment, right? Or a Tate Hall special, I guess. Um, and now, uh, I, I won't jinx him, but he's, he's doing some things that well this year that he wasn't doing well last year. Um, if you look at his, his season stats, but, um, uh, yeah, I love seeing him play, uh, and it kind of, this will carry over into the next, uh, game as well. It was just Tate Hall playing super well. Um, I thought Huddy had a pretty good game. Um, I, there was one moment in particular where he got out on the fast break and actually had a really athletic and nimble finish. Uh, oh, don't even week. get me started. Don't even it, get me started. It was, but it was beautiful. It really no, was. No, that's the thing. It's that, I, I just say the reason why it's like, I just laughed because I loved it, but yeah. I was like, he makes the most difficult shots and yeah. then they're just, and we'll talk about it the Sunday game. So it was great to see that he could keep up. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it was just like, it was like, holy cow. And I would, you in person might have been like, wait, did he make it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, when I was watching, I was like, holy crap, that didn't go in, did it? Here's the it thing. Did. But like, here's the thing. Like I, this just kind of, pres- I think we both pretty said this in like different ways. He just, like, when he plays his game and he doesn't think about it, he plays really well. When he just lets himself be an athlete, he plays well. Of course he's going to make mistakes. That's what happens when you play. You just let the game come to you. But at least they're, like, aggressive mistakes. It's when he, like, you can see him thinking on the court, thinking what to do. Should I shoot this? Wait, uh, maybe someone's open. Oh, no, now the double team's here. Oh, no, now I'm turning the ball over. Like, it just it's plays like this that make me have confidence in him that once the game slows down for him and once he just knows how to 
how to react rather than have to think about it, then I think he is going to be a really great player. And, you know, I saw some some criticism of Huddy this week, and I believe me, I'm, I'm here, and we've talked about, we've critiqued Huddy before, but don't lose faith in him. Don't lose hope in him. He It, it, it is coming for sure. I think we just got a little too excited about Huddy a little too soon and put a lot of stock in someone who's still 19 years old. So, yeah, um, that's, I think yeah. we, we have kind of, it, it's funny, right? So Huddy, uh, the Arizona State game this year, but you, you said it best, right? Like, let's just go back to San Francisco and that this, the, the, like, the what? It's going to be a 25 second clip of his career. That is just a bad moment and people are going to relive it this year, at least with us who detail games, but he just didn't look comfortable trying to get the inbound or what, like, it just didn't look like a smooth transition. Right. And then the ball turned over and San Francisco got a shot up and all that. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I think we've almost decided to make Jacob Hudson trial by fire, yeah. like throw him in the fire and see what he does because we've had the man Cameron Crutwig before him. We would never, was, I don't Porter had never had a big before Cameron Crutwig. That was, Oh my God, Cameron has to live up to this level. No. So for Huddy to come in and like, holy cow, I just had one of the five, fifth all-time leading scores career-wise for Loyola be the position I'm filling in now starting. It's like, why are we doing this to him? And also to a kid who I think I also got a little blinded by just the amount of highlights we saw just him in five games what toward the end of the season, right? So um he's 19. Technically, this is his freshman year, right? We yeah. got an extra year out of him which I think is beneficial to him and to us more than anything. So, um, yeah, I think um, it's games like this. And then even the next game, I really liked him more uh, just because I'll talk about a few things that he did really well. And, but um, yeah, I think we're, we're, we are being a little, little be like, Oh, we had cam. So can he do what cam did? I think we said this earlier. He's not going to be cam, but when he is himself or at least comfortable, right? I think Jacob's also trying to figure out what his best moves are. His comfortability, you can see he doesn't feel rigid. He doesn't, he doesn't kind of look like a robot that can't move. Like he sprinted down the court and had a late, like a kind of a finger roll or off the glass that some guards can't even do with a guy on them. Right. So mm-hmm. it is kind of like you're laughing and you're like, Oh, he can do it. He just needs to get comfortable. I think so. Um, and I don't know if that's plays that need to run through him, um, that are not three pointers. Um, I've, if, if it's going against Arizona state, that's great. Um, I just would. Rather you work, let's work on driving to the hoop and post moves. But again, Huddy, he's got a lot, a lot to learn and he's so young and I think he has such a high ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely does. And, and, you know, I, you know, we like to talk about the team. We think we know, you know, a lot when it comes to like stats and stuff, but when it comes to development, that's not our forte. And so I will take the wise words of Mr. Carson Shanks, who took to Twitter today. I think it was today. It might have been yesterday who was talking about, no, it was today, um, that, uh, he, that Huddy, talking about Huddy, someone was kind of critiquing Huddy. And Carson said he's an extremely hardworking kid with a huge future. Uh, he's still only 19. Sometimes it's harder to be a second year big as opposed to a freshman. People have a scout on you. Uh, keep the faith in the big fella. He has a, he has a massive future with the Ramblers. Just takes time to piece it all together. So, Look, don't take our word. Take his. Um, you know, I I think Huddy's going to be all right. Um, I'm excited to have him in a Loyola uniform for the next three plus years. And uh, um, yeah, I think think we saw a flash of it in this game. 
And the more we see of that, I think it's just a matter of time before he's doing that on a nightly basis. So, absolutely. Um, I think I, I think that kind of does this game right. Like, it, I think the biggest thing just from Illinois State side, right? Antonio Reeves, he, we're not gonna lie, he dropped twenty points on us, uh, but mm-hmm. he is one of the leading scores in the uh, the Valley. Um, was it twenty? Mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah, it's twenty. Just gonna, yeah, twenty. So a local kid, right? I think he went to Simeon and stuff. So, but 0 for 4 from 3, I think he gets a lot of his points from 3. So, just interesting there. I think he was a really good matchup to be very similar to Isaiah Mosley. Just the fact that the offense kind of runs through him from a point guard standpoint. Um, so, really interesting for me there. Um, but, yeah, what a, a really great game. I, I call it a blowout. Again, the score doesn't, what, the score doesn't say blowout. It's 14 points. But um, at a certain point, well, we were up by 20 at half. So um, it was one of those games. um, We we let them beat us in the second half by points. They put up 42. But, again, I think we were just kind of giving them some points back. So uh, what a great game, I personally think. Um, I think it was just a statement game also to come off such a tough loss at Drake. Um, So I think some guys like Lucas, especially like Lucas, was like, hey, it's time for me to get that one off my chest. And then also for Ryan, I think it was a game, kind of a wake-up game of like, hey, we got like eight, maybe nine games left in the season, in the regular mm-hmm. season. Let's kind of finish strong. And, yeah, we get cold, but we, we he knows how to score. So it was it was an interesting one for sure. Yeah, my one last thought, end of the game, uh, bench comes in. Uh, <laughs> T.Y. goes in with Will and Saint and a couple others. I can't remember who. Probably Tom Welch. Um, and uh, – T.Y., I guess this is a thing, because I've noticed this a couple times now. And he comes in, and he full presses. Uh doesn't matter what the score is. He full presses and um, tries to go for steals. And I love it. I, I, I It has to be a um, coaching decision, because otherwise, I don't think you'd normally do that. Anyway, so T.Y. goes in there, plays hard defense. I think two, if not three possessions. Almost gets a couple steals. Finally gets one and um, is going for a fast break layup. I honestly, I got so excited that I didn't, I think I looked down at my phone because I was going to start tweeting or something and he misses the layup. And look, it wasn't, it wasn't the easiest of layups. Um, it wasn't wide open. The guy was on his, on his hip, but still, you know, obviously one that he expects to make and they, they go down the court. And obviously the crowd got really excited and then let down. Um, they go down the court, Illinois State is at the free throw line. And Drew is calling over to T.Y. to come come over and talk to him. And as he's doing that, both Lucas and Braden run up to the scores table, and all three of them are chatting with T.Y. And just, you know, I don't know what was said, and I don't want to speculate too much about it, but positive reinforcement, right? Like, hey, probably something along the lines of, like, good steal, good hustle, don't worry about that layup. You know, you're making, you're going to make that. That's not a shot that you're missing. So um, it just was like one of those moments where like, it, it really is a team. Like this team, it really uh, works for each other with each other. They have each other's backs. Like Lucas has no reason. Like Lucas is never going to play with TY right this year. Like they, if they share the court the rest of the season, something weird happened. Uh, you know, Braden, of course, he does still have a couple more years, but it's just like this, right, like leadership, big brother thing, whatever. And I just like, I have come to really enjoy the, the Lucas TY relationship. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it was when, I don't know, it was a road game. It might have been it was the Southern. 
And yeah, it was goes, a Southern game. Yeah, one of my favorite clips so far. T.Y. goes, I'm the best defender on this team. And then he zooms in on Lucas' face, and he's just like, uh, I don't think so. I forget what his response Well, he said, and I'll, I'll just take it just because I, I think yeah. you and I talked about it. But Lucas was like, it's it's something funny when your sons think they're they're getting oh, ahead of you, yeah. right? And it was the funny thing is, I'm pretty sure either someone tweeted or maybe we talked about it, but someone was like, I remember when Ben called Lucas his son. Yeah, and it yep. was just like it's one of those things again. The age gap is there. Ben was a senior, uh, Lucas was a freshman, um, and it's the same thing here. Lucas is a super senior even, and Ty is a freshman, so. Um, really funny, I think, and just makes you laugh, uh, to see that. And it is weird to see, right? Where, where, again, we're, we're fans of, or at least alumni of recent, but to see from Ben to Lucas, now to Lucas to TY, I'm like, God, geez, what is the next one going to be? Like, I don't know. And I'm excited if there is one, but it was a funny moment. Absolutely. Yeah. If TY is, you know, half of the defender that Ben and Lucas is, he's going to have a great career and probably make an all defensive team. So, you know, I it's that yeah, it's just super cool. I don't know. It was it was fun to watch. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I think that'll wrap up our our summary of uh, Loyola and Illinois State final score seventy eight sixty four. As Lou said, like it was it was a blowout. Even though the the, the uh, box score doesn't show it, show it, um, it was a comfortable win for us. So uh, moving on from there, we had our marquee matchup of the week. I guess you could say. Uh, road game, travel down to Missouri State uh, in Springfield. And uh, this one was special, right? This one, circle on our calendar. Uh, they came into our house and kind of similarly to that Illinois State game, like it was, it wasn't a blowout, but it, it, the score doesn't properly, 10-point win from Missouri State doesn't really articulate how much they, they beat us by. So, um, we wanted some revenge, uh, but there's a lot of work we had to do, right? Like, uh, as Isaiah Mosley scored 40 points against us last time out, um, he is one of the top, I would venture to guess, 10 scorers in all of, uh, college basketball. They have a dude, Gage Prim, who is, uh, a huge, uh, beast down low, um, putting up, seems like double doubles every other game. Uh, he's averaging uh, 15 points and eight rebounds. Um, dude's just a beast. So a lot to a lot to change um, for us. Also, no Marquise Kennedy, right? Like that's a big deal. Uh, he's just a, a a mainstay on our squad and, and brings so much to the table. Uh, in addition to that, you know, we gotten a lot of foul trouble the last time out against these guys. So how do we decide or how do we figure out um, how to defend? Uh, these guys without fouling. And, uh, you know, honestly, it wasn't a great start. Um, Chris Knight had two fouls in, I want to say, a minute and a half uh, of the game. Um, let's see, he gets his second foul, yeah, 18 19, um, uh, left in the first half. So, not a great start um, because we were hoping that uh, CK could do a good job against Gage Prim. But I think that's going to be one of the themes of this game is the the big man minutes and Tom Walsh and Jacob Hudson. Um, but um, the the game went really well. Uh, big second half from us. Um, uh, Lucas had a great game. Some of the the role players played really well. Tate Hall off the bench played excellent. Um, I thought Braden played pretty well, and Ugwak picked his his uh, spots to 
to get some some shots in and, and grab a eight rebounds, and he finished with twelve points and eight rebounds. So um, final score seventy one sixty two. But I'm curious to hear Lou what uh, what your takeaways were from it. And uh, I don't know, did it did it meet your expectations? That's gonna that's my question. Oh yeah, absolutely right. So I, I checked in on this. So Isaiah Mosley is the third most points scored this Jeez. whole season at five hundred and seventeen. Um, he doesn't average that, which I, I don't know. He's not even in top 10 average. Okay. So I think maybe he just, I don't know, one game he might have sat or I, I don't know, right? Antonio Reeves is actually ninth in the country at 470. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. It's TC2 Valley guys, I think. Um, but yeah, the biggest question mark for me was who's going to guard Isaiah Mosley and what was Isaiah Mosley going to do for us? And would someone else be that score, right? And, um, there was another score in Cage Brim, but first we got to talk Isaiah Mosley. So Isaiah Mosley, man, like, I tip my cap to a here. I think a here made sense on Isaiah only for the fact that Isaiah Mosley loves to shoot from freaking so far out, man. Like, mm-hmm. it almost reminded me of just Cooper just because these threes were just being rained from down. And I don't remember them being that far back at Loyola. And then granted, maybe I just wasn't trying to pay attention to his shots too much. Um, but this game I was just watching, it was like, wow, it kept, and it kept hitting the rim. So you could, you could see it come back, but I was like, really, damn, these guys shooting. So I tip my cap to it here. Um, especially just because the fouls were just so, and I'll get into this with the bigs, but like being, trying to be smart on defense is one thing, but being smart on a guy who drops 40 on the other game before, I think is one of even the bigger things to do. Um, and then for me, then the second point that sums up this game, is just the big man presence. There's quite a difference I'm noticing in the first half when a big man can just elbow his way through and he'll just get the foul called for him. Um, so quite an interesting take. Um, I think we adjusted strongly. Uh, so Cage Brim dropped 17 points in the first half, right? 17 yep. of his yep. team's 29. We scored 28 in the first half. So, again, he was only 11 points away from our first half total. As a single player, uh, he scored four in the second half and had, I think, about four turnovers in the second half. Um, you know, for a total of five turnovers, I uh, still put up a double double, like a great game, but we adjusted quite differently. Um, so, but one thing I'll say is, I don't know, d- just correct me if I'm wrong, Buck, but three seconds still applies because we <laughs> even got called for three seconds. I did three Mississippis, I think, at some points, mm-hmm. and there were at least two to three times Cage Prim should have been called for three seconds. I must be blind, or I, and apologies to people who actually are blind, uh, because I wish you could have seen this. It's just horrendous. For some yeah. reason, the idea of a big guy that doesn't cause any trouble just is gone. And I was so confused. I really was getting furious watching this. I was like, wait, are we not calling three seconds? Okay, we're not going to call three seconds. Three seconds is maybe arbitrary, right? It depends on the ref. But then they're going to call a whole bunch of fouls on us on him because he's elbowing and body. I'm pretty sure there was two times Tom Welch's arm was straight up straighter than like the statue of Louis holding the, and I just couldn't believe what was going on. Like yeah. there are times where yeah, CK, I think CK does, he puts the elbow behind, he puts the arm, the arm bar kind of behind him. Right. And I think CK just because he's a little bit stronger, maybe bigger than like Tom Welch, but Tom Welch knows he's not going to be able to block a shot. against right. for him. He is a smart kid to know that. Right. He was a goalie. He's a protector, but he's going to put his long lanky arms up. And that's what he did, but again, he gets two fouls. So it was quite some BS, I'll be frank, that Cage Prim got away. But Drew Valentine, man, he said, we're swarming. And that's mm-hmm. what we did the second half. There were multiple times 
where these announcers who are clueless to beyond relief, I hate, I really am furious with just ESPN announcers or CBS, anyone who's not local, I guess, right? Um, but they just kept circling like three to five guys who would just, and I'm serious, there were at least minimum two, but three majority of the time just getting down on Kate Prim. And it worked, right? He had four turnovers that entire first half or second half. So it worked and he only had four points. So I think that sums up Drew had a lot of different situations on defense. Uh, now again though, the, that team is able to score. So by doing Cage Prim a lot tougher defense, Isaiah Mosley, I think decided to wake up and score. I think he scored 10 points in the second half. Uh, maybe eight because he only had to think two or four in the first. And then their point guard Patterson, I have to tip my cap. We just couldn't really, I guess, control him to the rim. And uh, that, was, that was just interesting, but we locked down who we needed to, and we made adjustments in the second half, and I think that's what it is. Um, and we really prevailed. I really think that was one of the biggest grinds of a game, including not or not including Southern Illinois, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a team that didn't go to the free throw line in the first half, we went 13 times and went 11 of 13. So um, I think that's big. Um, those are just my recaps. I think we'll probably talk about certain players. Again, Lucas went off. But, uh, Andrew or Buck, I'd like to hear what you got to say. Yeah, so about your, the, the point about Patterson, uh, I think it, he really just benefited from, like, double teams. And he was the guy that was able to hit shots. Uh, I know, uh, I think it was Haney, one of the guys off the bench for them, uh, all three of his threes were open. Uh, some more than others, but, like, all, all you know, without a, um, a really great contest. And he just couldn't hit them. Patterson, on the other hand, just took advantage of it and I think made, made his opportunities. But, you know, at that point, it's like, I'm, I'd much rather have someone like Patterson try to beat us than Mosley or, or Gage Prim, right? Like, you gotta make those guys make shots. And, um, man, Donovan Clay was invisible this game. Yeah. Like, very like, shocked by that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we, like, major props to the coaching staff in this game. Um, I know some people were talking a bit about it on Rambler Mania, um, but definitely his best coached game. This and San Francisco, I think, um, were just uh, masterpieces, right? And we would probably be saying the same thing if we knocked off uh, Michigan State, too. So, like, those three are, are probably the tops for me. Um, but, yeah, he just changed a lot and threw some zone at uh, Missouri State um, to get it done with, I mean, what, uh, Chris Knight played eight minutes. And Marquise Kennedy played no minutes, and, like, we still got it done, right? And kind of, I mean, not handedly, you know, I there was, we had a, a nice, like, kind of run with, like, five or so minutes left in the game that kind of set us up pretty well. But, um, you know, we, we did have the lead most of the second half, um, and to win it in that sort of fashion without two of your huge contributors, you know, probably four and five, you could argue, um, that's just impressive. It's a great coaching effort, um, uh, for sure. But like you mentioned too, Lucas just had, he just had another day. Um, that step back three was mm. one of the dirtiest things I've seen in a long time. Uh, and like, on Donovan Clay too, which I don't yeah. know why, but it looked like there was some John. But again, I think these two teams do draw, but yeah, that it, it was, it was quite something to see. It's just fun to see, like, Lucas add stuff to his game. Like, I think that's one of the things we talked about way back in the offseason is, like, hoping Lucas would play better, but he's got to add stuff to his game. And, like, these are professional moves he's pulling out of his bag now. Like, the left-handed dunk, the step-back three, um, seeing some turnaround jump shots for him. 
Um, you know, it's, and they're, and they're not like all the time either. Like he's not relying on them. So that's also good to see. But oh, that was just like, that was something special, uh, for sure. Uh, top 10 highlight for me in my book. Um, yeah. Um, but, oh yeah, go ahead. No, I think then like another highlight just to talk about is the play from Tate Hall. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now, now tip my cap. Sorry. Braden and Nahir did both play. Um, uh, or did both did score 10 and 12 points each and also nearly each played 40 minutes are mm-hmm. the three main guys, the three musketeers. However, if they have a nickname, that'd be great, um, for me to know so I can give it to them. But Braden here and Lucas all 36 plus minutes, right? 38 by Braden, 37 Lucas. So these guys are there. And I think the summary of at least Lucas and here, Braden, I didn't, I don't know if I saw too much except for like the grinding and then the flop, which to be honest, I, I saw coming at some point. I got to be frank. Braden tries to time it well. And he knows he can a little bit get away with it just because he's the size and everything. But he got called for it, and I think it was a bad call. But I think at some point he was going to get called for one of them. Um, but the biggest thing for me, to be quite frank, even though he Braden had the most steals, uh, here in Lucas's hands were everywhere. The mm-hmm. amount of tips I saw, and even at the end of the game, like toward the end, I saw here like running to go grab a steal, like try to get a steal. Like the those two guys were looking to make a presence on defense. And the fact that they, they were just swarming everything. And I really do think like, yes, they didn't like here. I don't even think had a steal and Lucas only had one, but mm-hmm. they were just tipping everything, making balls on the ground a whole bunch of times. They were just, there was a lot of grit with those two. And that was great. But overall, Tate Hall showed the biggest grit. I think a guy who hadn't, I think seen maybe the amount of minutes and even the amount of opportunities to, to, drain threes in quite some time and just was it looked his normal shot he looked comfortable didn't I don't think question any opportunity to take a shot and he just was there from top of the key to really just finding his stroke was great um and that's what it is it's Kennedy's out and there was a guy who's going to get more minutes than he normally does CK's minutes were limited because of Fallon so who was going to be that guy and I think it was Tate Hall and it was really a nice sight to see 13 points is great and I think it was not only that it was any 13 points, but three of four from three was great to see, right? I, I don't think we've seen Tate Hall kind of had a shooting season um, like he maybe normally has in the past of his career at Loyola. But um, just the fact that he had um, just that kind of – just that type of game to have I think means a lot, right? Because last year was a different three-point shooter. The year before his first year was great, and then now is like, we haven't had even a game, I think, to talk about much around threes. And I think this game was really something. So, Yeah, he actually almost had a, a four three-pointer. So I think his first bucket he made was a really long two. Um, yes. Foot yeah. on the line, and it got changed from a, a three to a two. Uh, yeah, so right. even He's then, like, up. kind of four or five, I guess you could argue. I mean, obviously not, but. Probably uh, inches, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It's probably some <laughs> stupid inches, but, yeah, no. But yeah, um, he, like, he's scored 14, uh, once this season against Roosevelt, so it doesn't really count. Uh, he had 13 against Valpo in that double overtime game. Uh, and then the only other time he scored over 10 points was when he had 12 against Florida Gulf Coast way back at the beginning of the season. So, um, just huge of him to step up, uh, when we definitely needed him. And, and he had a big three too. I think there was, he hit one when, when right after Missouri State had just hit a three. And we were only up one. I'm almost positive he hit that three. That was so clutch. So just, yeah, huge game from Tate. Love to see it. 
Um, he's definitely going to get more playing time or continue to get, you know, 25-ish minutes a game, especially the weird part, Ryan only played five minutes. I don't, I don't think that we should read into that that much yet. It's one game. He might have not been feeling well or just a matchup thing, you know, who knows. Um, but, uh, yeah, just four guys played excellent, um, that we kind of mentioned, but also Tom Welch, eight points off the bench, huge three, uh, a really nice pump fake into a drive for a layup. Um, he, he played really well. It was great to see him, uh, have another one of those, um, fun kind of surprise games, um, uh, from, from Tom Welch. So, yeah, I, I think um, I don't want to read into the Ryan thing at all because I think the way I like to describe it is if it's not the main three, right, mm-hmm. um, and Lucas here, Braden, the, the three main guys I would say are like the cohesive unit. It's about who who's the next who's the next role player. Really, it's a role player, right? Who's the mm-hmm. next that's not from our core three that's gonna have that game, right? And what Drake again with CK, CK had 15 points, even in a loss, right? Yes. Lucas went off on against Illinois state, but then you had Ryan in the, in the background, right? Go off. And today was Tate. So we've talked about this and I'm, it, it's literally, it's not just the culture. It's just the way this team in recent years has worked is that we're a three point shooting team. So if you can shoot the three, you might be able to have your night, right? But if you also drive, you can also have your night. So each guy has a different skill and talent and it's just like, Hey, tonight was, or that this night was Tate Hall's night. Um, and it's just so interesting because even I think Keith Clemens had some, he started right. And I did not expect mm-hmm. to start, but I was happy to see the start. Um, and it was just like, those were interesting minutes there. Right. Um, <laughs> what a smart play to put up a shot, but get fouled. Right. Um, and get two of three from the line. So it, it was stuff like that. It's like those small minutes and even Keith having five points. But I think for Tate to have the 13, I think he was that top role player that you look for in each game, right? Because not every starter is going to have their game, right? Even look at mm-hmm. Missouri State, right? You expect it's either going to be Prim or if it's going to be Mosley or Clay, right? Those are their three. And Prim had a great first half, horrible second half. Mosley, I would say a poor game on his standard, right? Yeah. Um, and then Clay was silent, but yet then you had their Patterson guy go off, and he's a kid who's come off the bench because their starting point guard has been hurt and has been out the rest of the year. So each team has it. I don't want to read into Ryan. I, I'd rather read into Tom Welch playing ten plus minute and putting up eight points. Right, like mm-hmm. that was perfect to see. Um, so there's stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I think I want to talk about Huddy, but you got anything more? Um, I don't think so. I'm trying to look at just some other stuff. No, it was just like, I mean, the one thing was just, it was just like a fun, it was a fun game. Um, obviously winning helps, but, uh, it was great to just see the guys really locked in. Um, you know, like they always talk about how every game's a Super Bowl for them and you could really sense it in this one. I, I just think everyone was locked in. Uh, it felt like no one ever had a lapse of judgment. There weren't any, Dumb turnovers. I mean, we still turned the ball over 12 times, which, you know, I'd love to see that down to like 10 or so. But I, I just didn't feel like there was ever a time where the guys weren't focused on the mission at hand and like they just knew where, how, how to do it and, and that they were going to get it done one way or the other. Um, but yeah, just a, a great night, obviously from Lucas and, uh, some of our, our role players really stepped up. But what else you got? 
Yeah, no, the one thing I want to say is I think Jacob Hudson had a great defensive game. Um, uh, here's the thing, right? Try to guard Gage Prem and be a, a kid who's only played maybe, what, 20 games in total over yeah. two seasons. Really, I don't want to hear anything of like, oh, it was on Jacob. No, you're, you're going up against Cage Brim, who's also a brick wall. So you're trying to, there was one thing, and I hated the announcers for it a little bit. And not only because they don't, announcers who aren't our local announcers don't get anything right, but it was like Jacob was trying to do something different by rushing and being quick, and he got called for a turnover, and that was tough. And then he takes his time and he just hits the back rim. So it's like he's, he was trying, I think, I don't know if it was him or if it was a coach, but he was trying to do different things to not do the same thing for Cage Prim. Because Cade Prim knows you're just going to go up with a floater. He's going to play you hard. But if he's thinking you're going to be quick off the ball, he's not that quick himself. So he's not going to be able to really react too quick. So I think Jacob had a great game uh, just for the 18 points. I like seeing this 15 to 18 point minutes. I looked at the stats. Him and CK, I think, are both averaging around 15 to 16 minutes. Now that might be inflated because of games like Arizona State and stuff like that. But those, I think, are great great minutes for both of them to share, right? I think that's the prime region for me of, like, minutes played. But I think the toughest thing with just Jacob to look forward to, and I think that's what I'm excited for, is, like, he had some great high-percentage shots that I know if it was a different defender, he probably would make. Mm-hmm. But he was going up to Gage Prim. And you know what he did instead? He didn't shoot a three. And here were many a times where I thought he could have. And I think he was smart with it. And you know what he actually decided to do? He had three assists. Yeah. I did not expect to see three assists from Jacob Hudson, but he was so smart, I think, with passing. And it did look a little bit comfortable because he was at the top of the key quite sometimes wide open. But he was mm-hmm. looking for the play to develop where he's looking for a guy. Now, again, I think over time he won't be as obvious maybe with his eyes or what his body language where he's passing the ball. But I think his assists were great. Just tidy up the, the rebounding. But this whole team needed to tidy up the rebound, in my opinion. Again, CK was on the bench, but so it's a little tough. But we gave up some some quite a lot of second chance opportunities yeah. that were just again. Cade Prim had five offensive rebounds, and he's guaranteed to have five because I think that's just who he is. But um, that was just tough to see, and I think that's a whole team thing. Yeah, like it's a little weird to see uh, Brain with five rebounds, one off. I, when I saw he had one offensive rebound, I was like. That must have been like a long, long, like, <laughs> yeah, rebound. like nothing against him. But again, th- this team with Cage Prim is a great team. There was one shot that I think summed up this game was that he had two seconds on the shot clock and just heaved it up. Yeah. I was like, that's just PBS, like great defense. But it's one of those things that when you go up against a team like Missouri State or even Drake, right? We, what is Shutter or whatever the kid's name is? He, like, it's those shots that are going to be something we got to pay attention to when it's not. Isaiah Mosley, and it's like we can't lose focus of the whole team. And I don't think we lost focus of this whole team at all. I think we stepped up um, and played really strong defense. The steals might not show it with the numbers, but the amount of tip passes I saw and stuff, you you could tell that Drew and the coaches staff was trying a whole bunch of new defensive things, and I really did like it. And it worked here, right? If it didn't work, we'd be like, why are you doing it? So I'm not going to say. But I think that's what you got to do to kind of shake up a team that has already beaten you. And I hope that's kind of the mentality when it comes to Drake um, soon, right? Because, what, we got uh, that game has got to finish, and then we also got to play you and I and stuff like that. So um, it's going to be quite interesting when we play these big teams. And even Bradley on Wednesday, they, it was not an easy defensive match for us either. So 
our defense is what this team's about from this Missouri State game and what our kind of seasons can be based off of. So I think this this game for me showed that we can step up defensively. I just think we need to or start trying to put it into practice a little bit, and this game saw it. Yeah, it did. Uh, and I, one of your points, too, about, like, changing stuff up, uh, I noticed um, a few more mid-range shots, which I aren't my favorite. Like, I'm very analytical. Threes and layups, are, like, are how I think most teams should play. But it was very obvious that they were playing soft when it came to mid-range. And, and just trying to respect the drive and respect the three. And both Lucas and Braden, from what I can remember, had a couple. Um, and I think, uh, someone else did, I don't, I don't, maybe, maybe Ublak had one. Um, but it was just really obvious that that was something that was talked about. Hey, you know, they go soft and mid range. If you got it, take it. Um, so I, it's not something I want to see every night, but it was, uh, it was just obvious that it was like a coaching point. So I, I like to see that, you know, take advantage of where they're playing you soft. Um, but, yeah, it was just it – was, this is just a great one, man. It just felt really good to get this one behind us. And um, it felt really good on Twitter, <laughs> like, stupidly. Like, after after every loss, it's like, oh, Loyola's not that good. They're really – like, they're not the best team in the conference, blah, blah, blah. And just, like – Crickets, right? And remember, I think it was it the was it last year's team or the Final Four team that that was their thing. Is like they just want to get to a away arena, win the game, and hear crickets. Um, and, and that's kind of what it felt like on Twitter as a fan. It was just like no one's talking crap, and it, it's obvious that they all are like, oh, maybe Loyola's back. And I I think there's something to that. I think uh, I think these guys might have figured it out, and uh, hopefully they keep it up. Hopefully the role players play great, and um, uh, yeah, I, I just keep it up, guys. I don't know. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember which team the crickets was a thing? I'm trying to think. It I wouldn't know, have been Drake, and it wouldn't. Uh, no, it was like one of our teams who they would just say like when they go on the road and they win a road game to hear crickets from the fans. It well, it wouldn't have been last year's team because there was no one in the stands, so it had to have been. Uh, I think yeah, it was the that's final a good point. Team. So, yeah, no, that's interesting. I think also this team has taken the road dog mentality, right? We've right, seen that so much. Yep. So it is it is interesting to have a mentality when you go on the road. I think that helps also capture what you need to focus on. Yep. So, yeah, I, I really do love the road dog mentality because these games are not just walk over the team games. you got to fight mm-hmm. and grind for it. So um, it's going to be very interesting. I, I didn't know that a Rambler could be so – I what well, tenacious, um, but w- w- I'm happy to see the road dog mentality very, very much in these guys. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, something to keep up, and let's take that uh, road dog mentality um, on the on the road on Wednesday when we go down to Peoria to play Bradley. Um, nothing confirmed about that, but uh, their leading scorer Terry Roberts seems like he had an ankle injury uh, late in their game uh, this past weekend. And he, uh, Wardle, Brian Wardle said that he was in a boot today and he wouldn't specify any further if he was going to play or not, but he said something along the lines of like, he's in a boot today. He's not practicing. Make your own judgments. So I think it's pretty fair to say it is very unlikely he plays on Wednesday, which is unfortunate, right? I'm not trying to say like, oh, thank God, like he's not playing, but you know, I, I hope he gets better. I hope he's able to get healthy. But on the flip side, it's, you know, same thing with us. We're missing one of our really great players, 
and it's just another another thing we don't have to worry about. Um, but uh, hopefully we just play like we we have been, step up, play tough defense, no matter who's who's on the court for Bradley. Um, but yeah, we got Bradley, and then we got a huge one on Super Bowl Sunday at home against Northern Iowa. I'm gonna be there. I'm I'm gonna be missing out on some some pretty good Super Bowl food until much later. So <laughs> I, I it's worth it though. I hope you all are there too because it, it's it's a good one. It's on ESPN too. Um, any any last thoughts, Lou, uh, before I send it home? I think we uh, can't lose sight, especially after such a big win, two wins. Um, Bradley ran us uh, pretty much down to the wire, and we gotta remember that. And this game also sets up for our first matchup against a, an easy rival we've had for the last few years and a team we have to play two more times, or still two times, and our first time on Sunday with you and I. So, um, again, it's easy to say, right, well, we have eight games left, nine games left in the regular season. Each game matters tremendously. Uh, we haven't had in Valley play our, like, kind of five, what, runs of games, right, or five mm-hmm. straight wins because of these two losses. So I'd like to maybe see if we can finish the season um, stronger than we kind of the road bump we hit these past few weeks. Yeah, I, I do too. Let's see if we can uh, string a couple together and keep playing well. And, you know, anything can happen in Arch Madness. So let's, uh, let's go into it on the best foot forward. So, um, so that, I think it's going to do it from Buck and Lou here at podcast 63. Um, thank you all for listening. And don't forget, always remember go blurs.